Jonah Heim is one of the best catchers in baseball, but still, even after an all-star season, he is not getting the respect he deserves as one of the best in the game. On today's show, I'm breaking down why that is and three major bullets the Rangers dodged that helped them win that 2023 World Series Championship. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the World Series champion Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of this podcast. Thank you all so much for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Lockdown Rangers. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, before we get into the greatness of Jonah Heim, what makes him so darn special? How important is to have a good catcher and three major bullets that the Rangers dodged that helped them win that ring last year. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now, one of the greatest moments in Rangers franchise history occurred in February of 2021. An inauspicious day before spring training had started, on February 6th of that year, the Rangers made a trade with the Oakland A's. They traded, the Oakland A's traded away Jonah Heim, Dane Acker, and old K. Chris Davis for Elvis Andrus, Aramis Garcia, and Cash. And a deal that it thought to be the headliner of that deal was old Chris Davis who was a little bit on his last leg, a little bit over the hill, um, and just was not quite getting it done for the contract that the Oakland A's signed him to, which was an okay, decent contract, not anything world-killing. But for the Oakland A's, anything above the Major League minimum seems to be breaking the bank. So the Rangers said, hey, we've got Elvis Andrews here. Um, we're probably going to make a change at shortstop. Elvis might be a little bit over the hill as well. We're going to take on some of that bad money of Chris Davis and, um, you know, maybe give us some some guys we'll kick the tires on. Maybe Dane Acker, who was a very injury-prone um, pitching prospect who had a lot of promise, hasn't quite worked out as well. Um, Chris Davis didn't quite have as much of the tank as as we were thinking. Elvis Andrews was, was pretty solid for, for the A's for a year and a half or so that he was there before he got cut and sent to um, the, the White Sox. But obviously, we now know the headliner of that deal was one switch-hitting, all-star, World Series champion catcher, Jonah Heim. Now, this wasn't the first time that Jonah Heim had been traded in his young career before he had you know, made an impact really at the big league level. Initially, he was drafted by the Orioles in the fourth round of the 2013 MLB draft out of Amherst Central High School in New York, just outside of Buffalo. He had made his big league debut at that point um, when he was traded to the Rangers, played a whole 13 games. 41 plate appearances for the Oakland A's in that 2020 pandemic season as a 25-year-old. A very unimpressive 211, 268, 211 slash line. No extra base hits to that point and a 479 OPS. And obviously the book was out there on Jonah Heim for his entire career 
for his entire minor league career, I should say. He was a spectacular defensive catcher. He was a bigger guy on the catching side at 6'4", 220 pounds. But he'd always been a, a pretty good receiver, pretty good game caller. He had a big target, had a decent arm, and could throw out runners okay, not anything spectacular, um, and had a lot of raw power that he just hadn't really quite tapped into in games. So the Rangers made a trade for him, thinking, okay, maybe we can get the most out of this guy. He split time between uh, as a starting catcher back in 2021 with him and Jose Trevino, and was very unspectacular. I mean, 10 home runs that season did have a couple of walk-off bombs that were very, very memorable at the time in the one of the roughest stretches of Rangers history. But he had an OPS below 600 in 285 plate appearances, and the thought was, okay... Well, this guy was supposed to have a lot of raw pop, supposed to have some more offensive firepower than he's showing. Um, and the at-bats were much better quality, much higher quality than the numbers would indicate in 2021. And so before the 2022 season, the Rangers thought, okay, well, maybe this guy is a, a pretty solid backup catcher or a 1B type option, but not anything world-beating. He's obviously got that offensive potential, but it, we're not quite sure if this guy's going to live up to it. So the Rangers decided to make a trade. They traded Jose Trevino to the Yankees, and they also made a trade for Mitch Garver in 20, before the 2022 season, thinking, okay, Garver will be our starter, and Heim will split some time with him. He will be the injury insurance, and, and we'll see how that goes. And Jonah Heim was so spectacular in the first half that he nearly made his first all-star appearance in 2022. I mean, he had a 772 OPS, and if not for, excuse me, that's his career splits for um for the first half because he is very much a first half kind of player. But in 2022, if not for the Yankee bump of his former teammate in Jose Trevino, that 781 OPS with 12 bombs in the first half in 69 games, that that was more than good enough to start the All-Star game back in 2022. And this guy very much could be a two-time All-Star and World Series champ as opposed to just one-time All-Star. But the value of Jonah Heim in, is not in his bat. I mean, partially. It's partially in his bat. Most of it in his is in his defensive value. This is one of the best defensive catchers, if not, no, this is the best defensive catcher in all of baseball. Talk about the total package of controlling the running game, calling games, framing pitches, blocking pitches, trusting the, the staff, trusting his game plan that he is going to call the right pitch. He is going to guide them to, you know, have a good game and to trust their own stuff and believe in them and believe in the game plan that they and Jonah Heim and the entire coaching staff came up with, even in the most difficult moments, those pitchers time and time again, after nearly every single great perform, no, after every great pitching performance I can remember from a Ranger last season, or even the last couple of seasons, Jonah Heim is almost always the first name out of their mouth of, Oh, What's going so right for you? Well, it's Jonah High. I just have all the trust in the world in him out there. You know, my stuff was was going pretty well. He was calling a great game, but I, I just trusted that Jonah Heim had my back, and and that's an incredibly valuable thing. It is something that is very difficult, impossible really, to quantify, but it is real. The effect is real. I mean, we saw pitchers in the postseason get into big, big jams like Nate Eovaldi quite a lot getting himself in jams and getting himself out. That is partially because Nate Eovaldi is an absolute bulldog in the playoffs and also partly because he's got all the trust in the world in Jonah Heim. If he's throwing a breaking ball or a splitter down in the dirt for a chase pitch with a runner on 
third base, he trusts that Jonah Heim is going to block that pitch and it's not going to get by it and not going to let it run in. He can trust whatever he needs to throw. Jonah Heim and his big 6'4 frame back there is going to be back there to catch it and to block it. And whatever Jonah Heim calls is the right call. There's not a lot of second guessing. There's not a lot of getting in your own head about what the game plan is. Because if Jonah Heim's back there, whatever he says goes. And whatever he says is, for the most part, right. But not only his defensive value, being you know one of the best fielding catchers I mean, in, in terms of the overall catch-all metrics, according to Baseball Savant, he was in the 97th percentile in terms of overall fielding value. That's overall field, that's overall defense in general. He was one of the top 3% of all people in all of baseball. I don't think that's just catching. I'm pretty sure that's a catch-all metric for all players playing defense. He's in the top 3%. When it comes to framing, he's in the top 3% of baseball yet again. Caught stealing above average in the top 11% of baseball. Now, that's really impressive because his pop time, the amount of time it takes for him once the ball hits his glove to hit the glove of the second baseman or shortstop covering to get the, the runner out. That's around middle of the pack, but his caught stealing is in the top 11% of baseball. It's not about the pop time as much. That's it's, it's important to have a strong arm to be able to get that ball out quickly. But the thing about Jonah Heim that is so impressive and the, one of the highlights of the postseason for this entire Rangers run was that caught stealing of Gunnar Henderson in the ninth inning that was a missed sign read on a hit and run, but still resulted in a huge, huge caught stealing. Is that Jonah Heim hits his mark every single time when he is throwing at runners. He may have toned down a little bit of the absolute raw arm strength. He, he might not be, you know... Pudge Rodriguez back there with the biggest cannon that we've ever seen, or um, Jorge Alfaro, a, a blast for the past guy who had an absolute monster cannon of an arm. But he is on time, on the money, every single time he is throwing out these runners. He's not going to get everybody. And with these expanded stealing rules, it was something that I was worried about with him last year. His his times weren't as good. His his pop time still wasn't great, and he wasn't quite as accurate at stealing as throwing out runners. But that's something he improved on very massively this year. And not only that, but being consistent with his bat, which is one of the reasons why he is so important. Coming up into that, why it's so important to have a good hitting catcher and those three bullets that the Rangers dodged to help them win that championship last year. Just a second. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. If you wanted to bet on the Dallas Mavericks and their first game coming back on a Thursday, you can check out those odds. You can want to bet on Luka Doncic winning NBA MVP, or if you're wanting to bet on a Texas Rangers player winning MVP of the American League. Corey Seager is probably the, your, your best bet there. But hey, if you want to look at some deep odds on Jonah Heim, check out all that they've got on FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, we'll be back and talking about why Nathaniel Lowe is such an important part of this lineup and why he is primed for a massive, massive offensive season this year. 
Now, Jonaheim is inarguably phenomenal defensively, but what makes him so incredibly valuable is his offense. Last year alone, before before the injury, that's where things really got off the rails for him was that wrist injury. And he spent a couple weeks on the IL and came back a lot sooner than many people anticipated, including myself. Um, and he just did not look right at the plate for almost the entirety of the the end of that season from the last couple of months. And even the playoffs was a little rough. He had a couple of really nice home runs against uh, Fromber, where I, I am trying to coin the nickname the Fromber Bomber. If he has one more home run against Fromber Valdez uh, in the playoffs or otherwise, I feel like that nickname will hopefully stick. But his offensive value is why this guy was named an all-star last season. He's an incredibly fast starter in his career, and last year was absolutely no different. In the first half last season, at midway point, he was hitting 282 with an 812 OPS and 12 home runs, which is why he started the All-Star game. At that point, he was the best offensive catcher, the best overall catcher in the American League. He was a little bit behind Sean Murphy for what he was doing over in the National League, the insane start that he got off to. But hey, those votes did not matter in the American League, or for the American League, with what Sean Murphy was doing over the National League, because Jonah Heim was absolutely crushing it. Even before that injury, his, his slash line looked like this, hitting 280 with a 337 on base percentage and a 479 slugging percentage, an 816 OPS with 14 home runs and 23 doubles as a catcher, a switch hitter, a guy who is in the heart of of the most dangerous lineup in the American League is a switch-hitting catcher, hitting sixth for the majority of the season, and he's doing damage. Not only that, but also you factor in the importance of a great defensive catcher. I mean, look at these teams who, who have been dynasties. Look at these lineups that are so incredibly good right now. It's because they don't have a weak spot in their lineup. Look at the Dodgers with Will Smith as their catcher. Look at the Braves with Sean Murphy as their catcher. Heck, look at the Orioles with Adley Rutschman as their catcher. The best offensives, best offenses in baseball don't have a weak spot in their lineup. And it's because they get premium offense from a premium defensive position where normally there's not a lot of offense coming. But even if you don't have a lot of offense from your catcher, you got to get a lot of defensive value. And some of these teams that have been so incredibly good for sustained periods of time, I think specifically about the Cardinals and Yadier Molina, and how incredibly good they were for such a long, long, long time, and how every year it seemed that the Cardinals were getting the most out of their pitchers. And in year one, without Yadier Molina, their pitchers were incredibly terrible this year. I mean, Contreras was, was a fine defensive catcher, not great, not elite, but they were panicking so much with the absence of Yachty. I mean, Cardinals fans would scream at you for years and years and years and years about how incredibly valuable having a guy like Yachty or Molina was behind the plate. How much he did for the pitching staff, how much he did, uh, you know, in general. And even though he was basically an offensive zero at the plate for most of his career, he was still beloved and incredibly valued. And you kind of saw a little bit, it's hard to quantify that it's just Yadier Molina leaving, but it was a pretty obvious impact on how bad the Cardinals were this year. It was the first time they were straight up bad in, I don't know, what, 30 years? It's been a long, long time. 
And Yadier Molina was a big part of that consistency. Now, I'm not saying that Jonah Heim is Yadier Molina defensively. No, that is a incredibly high bar to set. But I'm saying that he is an incredibly valuable defensive catcher, and I think the best defensive catcher in baseball in terms of overall competence and overall skill. And he also adds a switch-hitting, power-hitting element to that value. But according to MLB Network and their top 100 players right now, I know this is, I feel like they're all of their player rankings of their, you know, top 10 right now at each position or what have you, or their overall top 100, it was created as, as bait, maybe for me specifically. And unfortunately I keep on taking the bait because they had a lot of catchers in this top 100 right now. And unless Jonah Heim is in the top 10, which they haven't revealed right now, which I think would be a bit aggressive, but I, I wouldn't say no because I love catchers. I think they're so incredibly important and so incredibly overlooked a lot of times. But unless he's in that top 10, he's not in the top 100 at all. And here's some of the other names that they have in there at this point. Adley Rutschman is the highest at this point at 19 overall. Best players in baseball. That's fine. I think that's solid. If you want to put Adley Rutschman over Jonah Heim, I think that's fine. He was you know, the all-MLB first team catcher this year. Cool. Will Smith at 45. All right, he's not that valuable defensively. He's not that great a defensive catcher. He's much better offensively. He's maybe the best offensive catcher in the game and has been for several years. That's fine. I get it. JT Realmuto, who seemed like he was unquestionably the best catcher in all baseball heading into 2023, but really, really fell off a cliff last year. Had a 1.6 Fancrafts war season. As a catcher, that's hard to do when framing is added into your defensive metrics. And they had Sean Murphy at 47, fine. William Contreras, 81, okay, starting to have some gripes. Wilson Contreras at 82, okay, really starting to have some gripes. Cal Raleigh at 93, really? You think Cal Raleigh's better defensively or offensively? And then Gabriel Moreno at 94, who spent one year in the big leagues, was an offensive zero, and the main defensive quality he has is being amazing at throwing out runners trying to steal. like He was historically good. Don't get me wrong. That was a lot of value there. But the overall framing and you know blocking and just general defensive impact was not there. And the bat was clearly not anywhere near Jonah Heim's level. I mean, we saw that in the World Series. He was hitting third for this team that won the National League. But they had him sacrifice bunting in the World Series. That's the kind of, you know, trust they have in his offensive value. And I feel like that should say everything about how he is not a better catcher than Jonah Heim. Cal Raleigh, not a better catcher than Jonah Heim. Wilson Contreras, not a better catcher than Jonah Heim. The rest of these guys, I can kind of squint and see how you would get there. But to not have Jonah Heim the all-star starting catcher, the all-MLB second team, World Series champion catcher, in the top 100 players right now, it's insane. It's absolutely ludicrous to me that Jonah Heim is not one of the best 100 catcher players in all of baseball. If he's not one of the top 100 catchers in all of baseball, then, then I'd really start to go absolutely nuts. But it's not just that he's that good. It's that he's that valuable as well. 
this is the first year Jonah Heim is in arbitration, arbitration eligible. He is making $3 million and $3,050,000, which is the 23rd highest paid catcher in all of Major League Baseball. Here's some guys who are getting paid more than Jonah Heim this year. Austin Barnes, Austin Hedges, Tom Murphy, Carson Kelly, Martin Maldonado, Jan Gomes, Max Stassi, Omar Narvaez, Christian Vasquez, James McCann is making four times as much money as him. And then the top three are JT Romuto, Salvador Perez, and Wilson Contreras, which, fine. Even Mitch Garver is making about three times as much money as him, which, fine. That's how free agency works. But still, Jonah Heim is one of the best players in all of baseball. He is a switch-hitting catcher, which is an absolute diamond in the rough. Such an important part of having a great defensive catcher who also provides you that pop, is an all-star, is one of the best catchers in baseball, is one of the best players in all of baseball, and the Rangers have got him for three more seasons. He is a huge part of why they were so good this year, a huge part of why the pitching staff was able to pitch over its head at times, and a huge part of why this team won the 2023 World Series. Coming up, we're going to look at three big bullets that the Rangers dodged that made it possible for them to win that World Series last year. Right after this, we're from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by GameTime. You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, and views from your seat, and their best ticket price guarantee, GameTime takes all the guesswork out of buying tickets. The Mavericks are about to be back from their all-star breaks. You can get tickets to the latest Mavs games or Stars games, or heck, if you're going out to Arizona for spring training, those games are starting this week. Friday is the Rangers' first spring training game. You can get tickets, get check out your prices. It is just such an easy experience, and it is no hassle and, and no nonsense. I mean, they show you how much your tickets are going to cost with all the fees and everything included. It is such a great experience buying tickets. I cannot recommend it higher. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Shout out to the Aviators for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day on Friday. Show will be back either in the late afternoon or maybe it'll be on Saturday talking about the Rangers' first spring training game and all the, I'm sure, many, many things we will learn from that spring training game. But there's one last thing I want to talk about with Jonah Heim, and that is the key for him this season. I am incredibly psyched for what Jonah Heim is going to do in his third, fourth full season with the Rangers, third as the primary starting catcher. And coming off an all-star season and championship, I think it is all about maintaining his first-half offensive production in the second half. I mean, the last couple of years, the first month season, he's gone absolutely nuclear in his career. Just absolutely nuclear. In April, March this year, he had a uh, he played in 10 games, and he had a 1,044 OPS. 1,044. It was absolutely nuts. Actually, I think that might have been... No, that was 2022. But this year, he was also insane. In 23 games there, had a 979 OPS. Five home runs that month. I mean, the guy absolutely gets off to a hot start. But maintaining it and maintaining his body is difficult as a bigger catcher. Just as a catcher in general, it is a beating 
to be a catcher. You take a lot of foul balls, a lot of, you know, pitches in the dirt, just a lot of abuse. And occasionally you get hit with a bat on a backswing, which is very unfun. But just staying healthy, maintaining his body, you know, being able to deal with the grind of being an everyday catcher, being an all-star caliber catcher, catching as many games as he can with Andrew Kisner as his backup. I think that is going to be the key for Jonah Heim so that when the Rangers get to the postseason again this year, knock on wood, he is ready and ready to make an impact with that big old bat of his. Now, there are three major bullets that the Rangers dodged. Some some of it was good luck. Some of it was other people negotiating a little bit better. Some of it was just randomness that, uh, that precluded these things from happening. But looking back at these three alternate timelines where these things happened, or just even where one of these things happened, I think any one of these three could have derailed the Rangers' chances to win that World Series last year. The first major bullet the Rangers dodged is signing Anthony Rendon in 2019, after the 2019 season to a seven-year, $245 million contract. I think pretty clearly it is the worst contract in all of baseball. He had one decent season. He was heading into his age 30 season. It was not anything crazy at the time. I mean, seven years and $245 million for a guy who had been very consistent, had been an all-star, was just coming off a championship where he helped lead the Nationals to that 2019 World Series title. And the Rangers were very much in on Anthony Rendon. I mean, this was coming off of, what, a year removed of one year without Adrian Beltre. There was still some questions about Josh Young. I believe Josh Young had been drafted a few months earlier. Yeah, 2019, that was when he was drafted. And so this was the offseason after 2019, before the 2020 pandemic. The Rangers thought, oh boy, let's get in on this free agent. Let's start this rebuild. Let's actually, you know, go about this, be about this process. And for whatever reason, whether it was the Angels outbidding them or just Anthony Rendon liking the Angels better, he went to the Los Angeles Angels, and it has been an abject disaster ever since. The guy had a really fantastic 2020 season. I mean, he's played 52 games of that shortened season at 915 OPS. But ever since then, it has been nothing but downhill. He's played in 148 games in the last three seasons combined, 58, 47, 43 he has been a disaster at the plate. Only one year we had an OPS plus of 100 or more, and it was exactly at 100. And he's still got three years left on his contract, and he keeps talking about how, you know, baseball is not my top priority. It is not the thing that I am working my butt off for. It is not the thing that I love. This is a day job, and it pays me pretty well, but, like, I don't really even like it that much. I don't watch baseball when I'm when I'm not playing. Uh and it's just a bad look for a guy who has just had one of the sharpest fall-offs I think I've seen from a player in a long, long time. In his last year with the Nationals, it was his first and somehow only All-Star season. Played in 146 games that year, had a 6.7 war season according to Baseball Reference, and finished third in MVP voting, was an All-Star and a Silver Slugger, and won a World Series title. And since then, he finished 10th in that shortened 2020 season in MVP voting because he had a objectively really, really great year in the short season. 2.3 ward, 52 games is, is nothing to sneeze at. And then since then, staying on the field, 
going through the rehab process, even talking to the media about what was going on with his rehab process in the last few years has been like pulling teeth. It's just an abject disaster of a contract, of a situation. Meanwhile, he's got his teammate Mike Trout. Cho Itani just left. Mike Trout is talking about how I don't ever want to be traded because that's taking the hard way out. And I love baseball and I love playing for the Angels. And I, I want to stay here for my entire career and bring a championship here. And with this albatross of a contract, it is going to be a rough, rough battle for Mike Trout. I mean, if he couldn't do it with Shohei Otani there, I mean, I just feel bad for this man at this point. I mean, he signed on to stay there for the long term, knowing how much of a mess the Angels were. And maybe it's just the Angelsness that infected Anthony Rendon with all of this nonsense, you know, trash fire of a situation. Um, but there's no guarantee that that wouldn't happen exactly the same way with the Rangers. Instead, the Rangers have a third baseman who started the All-Star game this year, won a championship, is going into his age, what, 26th season, I believe, and is under contract for another five years for significantly less than the $38 million a year. Yes, $38 million for this year, next year, and 2026 that Anthony Rendon is making. Whew. Talk about a bullet dodge. Because the Rangers are having money problems now. I mean, with this, I don't know if the Rangers could have signed Seager and Simeon and DeGrom and all those others. And they didn't do that. Then they are not winning the 2023 World Series Championship. Next bullet that the Rangers dodged. This was a a weird situation with the Rangers after heading into 2023. It was a long time that Trevor Story was still a free agent. And there were some credible rumbling, rumblings right around, I think it was December. Maybe it was um, January because it took a long time for Trevor Story to sign. But not signing Trevor Story prior to last season um, was a big, big hit for the Rangers. He signed a six-year, $140 million deal. Actually, I believe that might have been... Um, hold on, how long has he been with the Boston Red Sox? Yeah, no, before the 2022 season. That's when it was. Because there were some thoughts after the Rangers had already signed Simeon and Seager. thought, you know, why don't we make it three highly paid, highly touted infielders and go get Trevor Story and it's been a rough go of it for Trevor Story in 2022 he was okay but only played in 94 games had a 102 OPS plus just kind of average um, didn't play a whole lot of shortstop either which was the whole point of paying him there um, to play shortstop played a little bit more shortstop this year but only played in 43 games and had a 50 OPS plus yeah 50, where he was half as good as the average Major League bat. That is rough, and he's still got several more years, I believe four more years on that contract. He's going to be 31 this year, and uh, Rangers really missed a bullet there by not signing Trevor Story, possibly because of some links leaks from the hitting coach's son. I don't know. Still a weird situation. Glad that the Rangers ended up doing exactly what they did that led to that 2023 World Championship. And the last bullet the Rangers dodged is not signing Michael Conforto before the 2023 season. So we got three different off seasons where different domino effects led to different places. Conforto ended up signing with the Giants, and it's not as much that Conforto's been an abject disaster. It was, I believe, a two-year contract or with a, a second-year option. But because the Rangers didn't get that left fielder that I thought they needed before last season, they had some extra money to spend, and so they thought, all right, well, you can never have enough starting pitching, so let's go get this guy, Nathan Evaldi, as a nice Christmas present to Rangers fans at the time when I thought, okay, that's 
you bought a lot of starting pitchers. I don't know that you really needed this many, but sure, this guy seems fine. And he is a World Series hero, a World Series champion, and had his great World Series moment in that game five to erase the memory of him going six scoreless innings or six innings in extra innings in a 2018 World Series loss to where that game five performance of six shutout innings of writing the tight, tight wire act, that is the defining moment of Nathan Evaldi's postseason career. But what a three bullets with the Rangers dodge. It goes to show you the margins for winning these championships. I mean, making a trade for Jonah Heim, making trades for Daniel Lowe, picking up Adoles Garcia, getting lucky that they missed out on the guys they missed out on and ended up signing the right guys. I'm so glad that it all went the Rangers way. And I will never stop being appreciative of that 2023 World Series championship. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank y'all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion, Texas Rangers baseball.